the political class buys everything. Dude, I did a deep dive research on all this mysterious deaths around the Clintons. About a dozen that are just fucking hard to shake. Klaus Schwab famously said that you will own nothing and be happy. Look at you. You start a show with absolutely nothing and you have thousands and thousands of listeners and you have force multipliers that send your content out. I was actually talking to Chase Geyser. He hadn't seen this. It just came out. I said, oh, did you see this? That, you know, all these documents. <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't even say what he said. <laughs> I shouldn't have said his name. Uh, I won't tell you what he said. I actually did a Getter uh, stream last night uh, with uh, was a Chase Geyser. Fantastic interview. One American Podcast live with Adam Krigler. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show, man. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Dude, I'm excited. I took a, like a couple of months off, like a month and a half off of doing podcasts just because I got caught up with my actual work. Mm. <laughs> and uh, um, I did one last week and this one again. So I, I'm feeling very, um, uh, very happy and excited to kind of get back in the rhythm, man. Because, you know, after it's, if you pause for a while, you miss it. You know, I don't know if you've had that oh, experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I get forced to take pauses, or at least I was, because I, I don't know if you know this, I have nine strikes on my YouTube channel, and I, you know, I would take a, a week or sometimes two weeks, depending if it's one or two strikes, and you know, take a couple weeks off. It's it's kind of like my vacation when I whenever I get a strike now, although now I'm on Rumble, so now yeah. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, it's, it's great. I've gotten three strikes, and I'm pretty sure that two of them weren't even warranted uh i uploaded uh, an interview i did with roger stone and mm-hmm. um they tried to say that he was making claims about the election that were against the terms and there was really only one sort of sentence in passing that could have subtly implied that yeah because uh, he was being careful and um i waited the two weeks i deleted that sentence re-uploaded it and then they said that um there was co- covid misinformation in the uh in the uh, oh uh video and we didn't i don't even think we talked about it so I just think they hate Roger Stone. <laughs> well, I think they they are very uh, aware of people who don't go with the narrative. You know, if you're if you've made it clear that you're against the narrative and you don't fall in line, then you're on a some sort of a list. So if anyone on that list has any trigger words, any buzzwords, the algorithm pushes you down or kicks it off completely. Yeah, I found that it's been incredibly hard to grow on youtube i've grown to a hundred thousand followers on twitter in the last 18 months basically it started with like 700 followers i think wow. and um uh but I, it's like impossible for me to get the youtube traction that i want so i'm gonna uh, start experimenting with shorts to try to build up the uh, traction but for some reason you know no matter how many classes i take online or tips i do or uh third-party tools that i use to help with keywords and titles and thumbnails and all that shit like i just yeah. can't seem to to bust through no, it, it is. It's the YouTube's owned by Google, and Google is very clearly uh, biased when it comes to uh, who they support and whatnot. I, I actually have a friend of mine who went to school for internet analytics, and he works for um, a, a large company. I guess I, I should just keep it kind of ambiguous. And he, I, I let him look at my my analytics on YouTube, and he's like, this makes no sense like i've never seen this before and the only explanation is if they're actively suppressing your channel and it's like wow 
uh, my mom watches my show every single day. Constantly. Like, nice. I, di I didn't get a notification today, Adam. She knows I go live every day at the same time. And, you know, normally she just waits for the notification, hits, hits the thing and comes to my page. And constantly, you know, my own mother is like, you know, she goes religiously. She watches probably watched more shows than anyone else. Uh, and even she doesn't get notifications sometimes, uh, a lot of times. So, well, Google's just trying to, to interfere with your relationship with your mother. Clearly, those <laughs> bastards. <laughs> so what's your story, man? I was watching some uh, some videos on you and I saw some really impressive skateboarding. I saw some awesome music. Thank where you. does this where does this all be, begin for you? Like, what were you like when you were 18? Oh, man. Well, when I was 18, I, I was not the same person. I was I, I I was kicked out of high school at the time. I was in a game. Okay, what'd you do? What'd you do? I, all right. I didn't do anything, but <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I, I, I was, they were suspecting me of selling drugs, which I, I, I was never a drug dealer. I never sold drugs. Although technically I own a coffee company one of us. now and I sell caffeine, which is coffee. So technically I'm now a drug dealer. Um, <laughs> just technically speak. But anyway, when I was 18, uh, I had just moved back to chicago from uh, philadelphia i was going to going to school in in west philly and uh not a not a good crowd i was in in philly and there's a reason i, I left the area and when i moved to chicago some of my old friends were also not in a good crowd and i instantly bonded and like we were you know they they had a crew and i kind of joined it i mean it wasn't like a drug selling crew it was just like you know we all hung out and smoked blunts and just kind of you know did our thing but one of somebody we know in the school uh died of a heroin overdose and i mm. i've never seen heroin just for the record like i don't even i've never seen it i heard i've heard about it all the time and uh i guess it was a pretty big deal in the area like a lot of people were getting um overdosing on it and uh, somebody that we knew he wasn't even in our circle had passed away from an overdose and you know the school was trying to crack down and somehow they got a hold of my cell phone and this is back in this is like 2000 right or two no it was 2002 yeah it was 18 in 2002 and they this was the day when there wasn't you know cell phones were very basic you know you'd have to like go through your phone list and tap down till you get to like it's t9 yeah you know like those old the, the t9 stuff and so to make it easy i put a little dollar sign in front of all of my friends so that they would be at the very top of the my my list of um you know different posters. so they some i don't even know how they got my phone but they got my phone and they were they looked at it and they were like oh these are all the people we suspect and there's a dollar sign. So he must be a, the drug dealer that we're looking for. And they called me in and they're like, you're not welcome in this, this school anymore. And I'm like, why? They're like, we think you're the drug dealer. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. And then I was uh, removed from school. So, I mean, I, I, I did finish high school. I went, I went and, and finished it at a, at a night school. Cause I was like, I'm, well, that's a whole nother story, but yeah, that was an interesting time in my life. I, I was, yeah. And, and and I got further into the gang. I, I was shot at a couple months later. I was in a, it was in a pretty. So it was a real gang. It wasn't just, you know, 
dudes hanging around listening to the dark side of the moon well not oh geez my chair uh hold on (laughs) this freaking chair likes to sink down um no, I, I, we we weren't like into guns, but we were in an area that was not safe, that mm. there was very obviously there was people with guns. And one of my friends, we were barbecuing. Right. And one of his hats was like facing the wrong way or some something. I don't know. I guess if you're in one crew, you're not allowed to wear your hat in a certain right. direction. And these three. um I don't know. Essays came up and they were like, "Hey, man, like change your hat. The you, you can't wear your hat like that." And my friend was like, "F off! Like, no, wear my hat how I want to wear my hat." And then, you know, they he was they like skulked off into the distance, and then we just heard gunshots start ringing out, and we freaking started running. And I jumped, I went, ran t- to get behind a dumpster, and I, I straight up saw a bullet hole appear in the dumpster, like shit whizzed past my head into the dumpster that I was going to jump behind. It was a crazy experience. So like, me as an 18 year old, I, I look back at those days. I'm like, man, I don't even know who I was. Like that's, it's so not who I am now. Wow. So, the, <laughs> so basically what you're saying is the difference between you and Hillary Clinton is that you've actually been shot at. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You remember I, when she I had that story have... about getting shot at in that helicopter in oh, Afghanistan yeah. or whatever. I don't know I re- where, yeah, where yeah, she I was. Remember that. One of her many lies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, crazy. So how did you get into music? Well, after I got out of that phase um, and I, I went to finish school, one of my friends, uh, one of my best friends at the time who kind of wasn't he wasn't in this crew. He was just kind of, a you know, he, he was more in the music scene. He was in Battle of the Bands and actually won. He was a guitar player and the, the singer quit. And was like, oh, I'm too good for you guys. Like, I'm going to go start my my own solo thing. And I, I knew some of their songs and I, I liked a lot of the same music and they played a bunch of covers and we were just kind of hanging out and I started singing. And they're like, oh, snaps, dude. Like, you could, you could sing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, play that other song, you know? And then I like, because I knew their stuff and I, I started singing. And then it just kind of, we didn't start a band. We just kind of hung out a lot. And I would just sing when they would play guitar because I didn't know how to play guitar, but I really enjoyed the singing part and uh about a year later i moved to new york and when i was in new york i'm like man i really miss singing and i got myself a guitar and just learned some basic stuff on the guitar so i could sing and then i and then, then i just started really getting into it and started playing live i've played a bunch of different places in cbgb i've played all over the the world i i would busk all over the place. I, I really love busking, which is playing for money on the street. Sure. And there's something about that when you, when you get a crowd or you get like people dancing. And I don't know. I really, I really enjoy it. I, I like being on stage. I really enjoy it, which kind of makes sense as to what I'm doing now. I really enjoy what I'm doing. Do you want to play something? Uh, do you want me to play a song? Yeah. I guess? yeah I mean, we're hanging out, bro. <laughs> I, I guess so. Sure. All right. Can you play Freebird, bro? You know, in honor of Twitter. Right. I'm just and, kidding. And I'm, done. and I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'll, I'll play one of my own songs. I, I see. Yeah. Um, I, is this chat? So is this chat? I see we're on restream, but like, is this the YouTube chat or is this just re- like, how does this restream work? Is this? Uh, That's a good uh, question. I am not sure. Um, 
I think that it just integrates with YouTube and maybe Twitter chat for the Twitter live stream. The icons next to the people chatting seem to be from okay. YouTube right now. All right, it is. All right, so RG Merkel and Robert Wiles are some homies that are always in my chat. They're, they're some oh, chat cool. homies. Um, so I'm going to ask them, uh, Robert and RG, what what songs should I play right now? What do you what do you guys think? I I uh, and thanks for for hanging out over here, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank um, you for coming on. All right, so I mean, I gotta I got I'm gonna play one of my own songs. Obviously, I have to I have to you know show off something of my own. Where's my Where's my guitar tuner? That's probably in tune. Uh, freely, Robert Wiles asks for. Okay, so I'm gonna play freely. I'm just checking the. Sure. Okay, it sounds good. Uh, okay, so I'll play freely. Life sucks. Sometimes, but when you realize it's not so bad, just move along. What choice do you have? You choose where your mind spends all its time. When it all comes free. It's wonderful. Let it all come crashing like the ocean tide. Climb up to the top of the mountainside and scream it out. Don't hold it inside. When you find a smile, naturally. That's the magic, don't forget it, it'll help you see. In the dark, in the night, when you're trying to find your way, and you've lost your sight. When it all comes free, it's wonderful. Let it all come crashing like the ocean tide. Climb up to the top of the mountainside and scream it out. Don't hold it inside. When it all comes free, it's wonderful. Let it all come. Crashing like the ocean tide Climb up to the top of the mountainside And scream it out Don't hold it inside Beautiful, man. Thank you. That was, uh, that's freely, yep. What are some of your uh, influences? Uh, well, for that song, it was getting fired from Timcast. <laughs> but uh, musically, uh, I grew up listening to Sublime, and uh, my my first concert ever was 
uh, well, not Led Zeppelin, but it was Page and Plant in 1997 in Philadelphia. And I got to see one of the greatest rock bands ever basically play in front of me. And it was, it was like a eye opener as far as like rock music. So I really like Led Zeppelin a lot. Jimi Hendrix is huge. Although I am bewildered by the way that he can sing and play the stuff he does on guitar. Um, yeah, I, I like a lot of uh, like Jose Gonzalez. Incubus is huge. Jose Gonzalez. Sure. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I really like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. So how did you get into the sort of podcasting space? Well, the podcast. Well, let me before before I move to podcasting, I, I just want to sure. add uh, you, you asked about skateboarding as well. Yeah. 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 And th- that was kind of the in between between um, the music and then podcasting. Uh, so in, living in New York, I would I would walk around everywhere and and I would take the subway and it, it ended up it sucked. It just took forever to get everywhere. And I got a I got a longboard and I started longboarding just to get to places. Right. And I left New York for a couple of years. Um, just kind of I needed a break from the New York life. And when I came back, some of my friends that had tried longboarding for the first time on my longboard ended up getting boards themselves and then became team riders for this uh, New York skate company called Bustin Boards. And I got back and I was like, you guys are like pro now? What? Like, how did that happen? And I just, I, I started skating with them all the time and I realized I could do everything that they were doing and then more. And I, I started like one-upping them and then I started creating my own tricks and then I joined the team and started making videos for for that company and then um one thing led to another and i actually got onto a bigger team arbor skateboards and i started writing for them for a little while and that was a lot of fun and i created my own board for them and at that time actually right around the like basically kind of teetering off of like me being in like the scene of skateboarding is i met tim pool and I met him at a Magic the Gathering store in Brooklyn. Mm. And he came over that night to play Magic. And uh, we we became friends. And he was doing... He, I think he had just moved on from Vice at this time. Or maybe... He, I think he might have been working at Vice right when this happened. And he got... He started... He got a job at... Fusion, Fusion, yeah, yeah. And, and he wanted to. He was pitching to Fusion like, "Hey, I got this this friend of mine who's a professional model. He's a skateboarder. He's a musician. Like, we're gonna start a show together and invite." He was like, "Adam, like, let's go meet the CEO of Fusion." So he flew me down to Miami, and this was seven years, ago, six years ago. Um, actually, maybe it was eight years ago now. I. I time i don't know middle middle of the teens you know mm-hmm. something like that 2014 25 i think it was 2014 but um we met the ceo and they were all excited about it they were hyped about it and i T- tim's like all right let's do this and you got to move to miami and i was like all right i guess i'm moving to miami and tim had this house down there and i moved and I was living there for a couple months, like waiting, you know, we were supposed to set up this. We were basically waiting for the fusion department to like figure out money and like have us start our show. But it never came to fruition. 
uh, I was actually in Europe visiting my my wife's family and it, it, Tim moved out and like my stuff was still in this house. He turned the electricity off and I like got back to this house and I was just like I had to take a cab from the airport to this house in the middle of nowhere. And like I walk in and it's like a swamp and all my stuff's everywhere. I'm like, what is going on? Like what? Tim, you didn't tell me you were going to move out. Like, what What the hell's going on? And he was just like, yeah, I gave up on that. Uh, I live in, I think he moved to Connecticut or something. I don't remember where he moved. But I was like, great. So I had to get a U-Haul. And I drove from Miami all the way to Arizona to with all of my stuff. Because I didn't have a place in New York. Uh, so I just drove it to my mom's house. And uh, so that kind of whiffed. Uh, and then a couple years later, four four years later or something like that, Tim called me and said, hey, uh, I want to start a show with you now. Like we tried long before. Uh, I think it's I, I'm going to I'm going to do it myself this time. I'm not going to I have the funding myself. I've been doing well. Uh, so you got to move to New Jersey now. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm moving to New Jersey because um, I, I wasn't really doing anything worthwhile so i was kind of looking for an opportunity to come my way and it's interesting too the day before i'm not joking the day before tim called me i told my wife i said i'm gonna I, i'm gonna take any opportunity that comes my way and not not let it like fall to the side and then tim called me the next day i'm like there it is there it is all right i'm gonna start this podcast with him and that's how Timcast IRL started. I mean, technically, it started year long before, years before. And then, uh, yeah, I started the show with him, and it went viral. Like we were absolutely crushing it. And then the something, some things happened, and I was fired from the Timcast show in August of 2020. And I really love being on stage. I love the people that followed me. I mean, there was a lot of people that supported me immediately um, after I after it all happened. And I have a pretty successful daily show. I mean, I, I, I am not getting the numbers that I used to. And I also know that YouTube, like we talked about algorithms and how it pushes you down. And it's like, I think I'm doing as well as I am because of the people that support me uh, yeah. because they show up for me and they look, they look for me because they know I'm going to be live with, with or without notifications. They're like, all right, I know Adam's going to be live. I'm going to his page. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm very grateful for the people that follow me and I really love what I do. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I get to read about a lot of stuff. Sometimes I'm frustrated by what I'm reading, but then I get to talk about it. And yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've just, just cranking up, cranking it out now, you know. That must have been tough. Um, departing from from Tim Cast, man. I'm sorry you went through that, and we don't have to talk about it any more than the extent that you feel comfortable. Um, uh, yeah, but... I mean, I didn't want to. I didn't want to end the show. You know, I didn't want to leave. A lot of people. Are you still buddies were... with him? Yeah, we haven't spoken in mm. I don't know, probably a year now. I don't, I don't know. We don't. We don't talk. Sorry to hear that, man. I'm not. He he basically made it clear to me that uh we are not friends so mm. i'm not i i, I don't uh, i'm not a victim you know i i don't have a victim mentality i absolutely love my life i love where i am i have my own house now i have my own show i have my own audience that supports me 
um, I have people reaching out to to do interviews with me, which is really cool. You know, it's yeah. like, it, you know, I I couldn't be happier. I I yeah, I didn't want to stop the show. Um, I think that him and I together offered a really good balance between um, a, a, a opinions, right? You know, we didn't often agree, and that's what created such a good dynamic between the two sure, of us. Sure, I enjoyed it. Thank you, and. I don't know. It's it's not what he wanted. Clearly, you know. I I think that. Um, uh, well, I think that um, I made him uncomfortable live, and hmm. it's not what he wanted. I think he wanted to be surrounded by. He he wanted to be the smartest person in the room. Well, good good for him. Uh, you know, he he has that now, and I never want to be the smartest person in the room. I think that's that's such an arrogant style of being. You know, to to require that and surround yourself with people that are less than you know it's like i want to be surrounded by people that are that that make me better you know tim i owe a lot to tim because i didn't know anything when i started that show with him i was not political sure. i didn't pay well, I mean, he's like he's like a locomotive i mean you just can't stop him i know yeah and i don't know anyone who works harder than tim you know he's a freaking a workaholic um and i i think he needs to tone it down a little bit but uh, I mean, I don't, we don't, we don't talk anymore. So like, honestly, I don't even care anymore. Like I'm just, I'm just focusing on my life. So, um, yeah. But, uh, so, so how did, how did it blow up? I mean, I know that a lot has changed on these platforms the last since basically since 2016, it seems like after mm -hmm. Cambridge Analytica, all the social media right. platforms just went like buck wild in terms of updating terms and monitoring content. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's, if it's, you know, it was caused by Cambridge Analytica or it's just sort of a coincidence that there was that sort of correlation it appears that it catalyzed um, that behavior from these platforms. But how was it that, you know, Tim Pool and, and you were able to just start doing a fucking podcast and blow up because, you know, a million people have tried and failed. And uh, yeah. obviously the content's great, but there's a lot of people with great content that don't get the exposure. Well, it was a, it was a, a combination of multiple things. Tim is obsessed with understanding the algorithms mm. like obsessed you know things needed to be perfect things needed to go out on the correct time things needed to be you know i i know his i know the style or i know what he does to like i don't want to say manipulate the algorithm but use it to his advantage and the you know and he'd been working youtube for almost a decade at that point and that coupled with the fact that I didn't agree with him, you know, that that because Tim Pool was already well known. Right. And then finally, we have you have a live show where you can communicate with him, where there's someone else there that's actually actively dunking on him. And like the chat's like, finally, someone to tell him no. Right. Someone mm -hmm. to like say the things that other people have been wanting to say, like, I don't agree with you, Tim. And I often didn't agree with Tim. I I I have a very strong standpoint on whatever I, I think about, right? I always take a stance and I'm okay with that. Whereas, you know, he's famously a fence sitter and wants to be like thread the needle. And it's like, it's very hard to be non-biased nowadays. Um, it's almost no such thing. Like no news is really non-biased, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. there is some, very rarely do you find a, a, a site just specifically tell you the truth of what's happening sure. without adding some sort of racial bias or skewing it in, in a certain way. Um, and sometimes Tim 
can handle that or do that sometimes. But when it comes to certain uh, aspects of politics, for example, I was very uh, pro-Trump, right? I was like, he's the only answer. Like we, we need, like he has been doing a great job after I, like I did a deep dive on Trump and I learned a lot about like his family life, but also his policies. And I'm like, damn, he's actually like a stellar president. Like imagine if the entire government wasn't actively trying to ruin him. Imagine how much better America would have been then. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I don't know. It was just kind of, um, people were thirsty for knowledge as well. And Tim is very knowledgeable about a lot of things. Um, You know, his facts, not his opinion. I'm talking about like what he factually knows. So a lot of people came to him for that. And then, so the, the podcast, you know, the dynamic that we brought to the board made it more explosive because not only were people getting that knowledge from Tim, they were getting, you know, we had a friendship, you know, we laughed a lot. I made fun of him all the time. You know, he would poke fun at me and it didn't matter because we were friends and we disagreed a lot and we were still friends. Right. That was like, a that was, I, and I actually told him after he fired me, I was like, you know, the, the shittiest part about this is you're proving everyone um, that you can't have civil discourse. You can't disagree with people because you're firing me. Um, is basically disproving that like we've been showing everyone that we can disagree. And it, it at the end of the day, it's we're still good. And it, he basically shit on that. Right. And I have actually never said that um, about what happened, but. Uh, it's true, you know, it, it, that's that's one of the biggest things that why I didn't want it to end, because we were showing people what civil discourse looked like. And we disagreed all the time, but then we still jammed out every Friday. You know, we had like some jam jam nights where we would he would play some songs. I would play some songs and it was uh, it was it was cool. Right. We we still laughed about stuff. So, yeah. So so I'm, I'm going to ask this question and obviously you don't have to answer it, but I'd be remiss not to ask. It makes sense to me that, you know, if someone's trying to build a personal brand and um, scale a podcast, it makes sense that to me why they would be particular about um, who they have co-host their show and how it makes them look and, and whether or not they're, I don't know, it's a conflict of interest to have somebody that's disagreeable, not disagreeable, but, you know, disagreeing with you all the time. But that doesn't explain to me, like, like you said, like why the friendship was extinguished that you know why wasn't why wasn't the conversation just hey this isn't working out for where i'm trying to take the show but i'd still love to be friends like why did it just why was cold turkey just kind of out of your life that that sucks and you don't have to answer that i just wanted to ask yeah i i there there was there's a lot that has happened behind the scenes um and i it wouldn't benefit me you know I, I wouldn't be vindicated. I, I feel like a lot of people who followed the entirety of what happened between me and Tim, um, they kind of already suspect what has happened. No one knows because a lot more happened than people realize. Uh, and at the risk of, of exposing some stuff, like I don't really want to get into the sure. details, but you know it i i you know i i was um i i was slighted and i 
I don't know. It, it, I, I don't want to expose it. I, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, it's been so long. Okay. And like for me to, if I am ever going to like explain what happened, I'm going to do it in, uh, I don't know. Concept album. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a concept <laughs> album. That's funny. Uh, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do it on my own channel. You know, sure. I'll do it in my sure. own way. You know, it's just, I, I wasn't trying to be pushy or anything. No, I just felt like it was uh, well, my obligation would, to ask. I know. mean, if, if you know, going to interview somebody, you know, that, that is something that a lot of people want to know. Of course, I don't blame you for asking. So, um, and I, you can, yeah, I don't want anyone to feel like they can't ask me anything because sure. I'll, I'm, I'm in control of what I want to say. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'll just say that it's a shame that it happened the way that it happened because I didn't want it to have, I didn't want it to happen. Um, and I think that, um, I mean, I don't, we, I, he, we don't follow each other anymore. And I, I really don't care. I don't need Tim Pool. Um, I, I am very strongly in the, um, Adam Krigler boots. You know, I'm happy being me. I'm not trying to be Tim Pool. Um, a lot of people have said that, like, oh, he replaced you with Ian and, and like Ian's like wish.com version of Adam. And it's like, I lived with Ian. I mean, I lived with all of them. So I know that crew. It's like, you know, Ian is not, we're not the same person at all. Right. Different you guys. Know, I've they, interviewed Ian on the show too. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think Ian's great. I, you know, I've nothing really kind. Ian. Yeah. He's very kind. Yeah. I, I really, I've always liked Ian a lot. Like he, him and I got along. We, we jammed together. Uh, he's, he's kind of crazy in like the best way. Yeah. Um, it's very endearing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, it's, it's demeaning to Ian uh, when people, you know compare that because like the dynamic that tim and i tim and i i had was very unrivaled like it was a it was a different show it was something it was tim and adam not tim cast right and but this is the thing like tim knew exactly what why he wanted me on his show you know he knew who i was we had we'd known each other for many years before we started that show there's a reason he reached out to me there's a reason he wanted me to join him because he knows that we had a good dynamic and it we proved it um and uh yeah you know it's like we were we were crushing it we, we were having like 60 70 000 viewers on a regular day um on average you know five hundred thousand people a day would show up throughout the night of throughout the throughout the show and that was just me and him talking about the news right and it's like I don't watch the show and I don't really care about the analytics, but people have come up to me and, and they have like, yeah, like they've only beat your last number, the numbers of your last show with him. We had 80,000 people that were watching concurrently and that's nuts. 80,000 people concurrent. Um, and it was like almost 600,000 like people. Yeah. You know, and that was just me and Tim chatting about news. You know, that was it. It was nothing special. And it was like, Alex Jones came on and they beat that. And then it was, there was like a Joe Rogan, Alex Jones meetup or something that beat that, you know, there's like maybe 10 shows since I was fired that beat our, our best day, just him and I. Right. And it's just like, that sucks, Tim. Like you freaking you know, shot your own show down, you know, but like, Hey man, you're the smartest guy in the room, you know? I'm, I'm hoping I hope you have a good time. Now I get to chat with awesome people. I get to, uh, you know, I get to interview people myself, which I love it. I get to 
like hang out and talk to people and find out who they really are. Uh, Tim stole Ian. Someone in chat said that. It's actually true. I Tim, Tim, you know, Tim told me to not have Ian on as a co-host that he that he was a threat to my show because he might say something crazy. And I was like, screw you, dude. I like Ian. Like, I'm going to have him as my co-host. And then I had him on sure. as my co-host for two weeks. And then one day, Ian doesn't show up to my show. And I'm like, I wonder where Ian's at. Like, whatever. I'm just doing my show. And then I, like, go upstairs. And he's on the fucking Tim show. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what? Like, you you told me he was a threat. And I said, screw you. I'm having him on my show anyway. Ian and I had a good dynamic and it was it was fun like we were hilarious like I really really enjoyed having him as a co-host and then boom he's on the Tim show and it's like dude you yeah, well Tim changed his mind about Ian I guess <laughs> yeah real so, quick so um <laughs> um you know it's one of the things that's been crazy about these these last few years and just hearing you talk about what happened with you just sort of reminded me of it is I had a number of incredibly close friends small number two or three and one even being somebody who i consider to be a really serious mentor of mine a former uh, high school teacher of mine that i was really close with high school english teacher taught me a lot of what i know about how to write and how to do, use critical thinking and he's a big time lefty you know but mm -hmm. in 2008 when i was in high school those sort of political differences were less important yeah. than today and you know, I, I texted him in 2018 and I was like, hey, I'm going to be back in town. Um, you want get, to get, get together and have a beer? Because we would do that when I would come back in town. I moved away as soon as I graduated from high school. And he's like, I'm not sure. I'm like, what do you mean? And basically, he's like, listen, you know, you support Trump and Trump's a white supremacist. Therefore, you're oh a white supremacist. Oh and wrote me off. And I'm like, this is like somebody like this is somebody who I spent hours he was like he was a lot like robin williams in the dead poet society yeah. so imagine like you know you're endeared to this teacher he's a great mentor he's a little controversial with the establishment but mm -hmm. just totally enriching and then imagine robin williams from the dead poet society sending you a text and being like you know what i don't think we should talk anymore and it's like out of the blue right and yeah. i don't even bring up politics necessarily and you know when i'm hanging out with personal friends uh, especially if i know it's a mix mixed company and i just can't believe how We've gotten to a place in our culture where I think maybe for the first time in a substantial way, politics is actually ending relationships. I mean, like maybe I'm sure it happened in the Civil War, but politics Definitely is ending is. friendships for the first time in maybe 100 years. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I, I actually had some uh, I, I have a lot of nieces and nephews, mm -hmm. like a lot. Uh, my dad has eight brothers, three awesome. sisters. Do you know all their names? No, I don't. There's, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still meeting them to this day. You're like Genghis Khan. <laughs> I just met a new uncle last year. I'm not joking, and um, that's a that's a whole nother story. But I, some friends of my one of my best friends' older sister, right? They're considered family because they were always there. She was baby. She was my babysitter when I was a kid, and like she had some kids, and I was Uncle Adam to them. For many mm -hmm. years like I lived with them and um, you know I one day after this the Tim thing you know we're the Magabini whatever and I was like openly stating like you know I'm voting for Trump like proudly going to vote for Trump and 
her brother told me or you know that she had said like that i'm not welcome around her kids anymore and i'm like what the hell did how like do you do you think my morals suddenly changed because i'm voting for trump like do you think i'm i'm a different person now uh do because i i'm i'm voting for a, a republican that i think is doing well for the country you know it's like yeah that that it, there was like a switch in in her head that suddenly i'm a threat like i'm gonna be even talking politics to freaking eight-year-olds right you know it's like well let, let me tell you kids about uh about donald trump he's amazing you should worship donald trump like you know like i, I don't think i've ever talked politics to even her let alone her children right i mean but i suddenly i wasn't welcome around her kids anymore and it was like that was a big slap in my face because like i considered her a sister to me and it's like to say that about me without even talking to me without even you know and i i as i said i like i lived with her you know i like i helped i babysat her kids like i cooked dinner for them like and it was like a it was it was so close. It was like much closer than, you know, and I, I even understand your situation, but like to have someone who I considered family cut me off uh, from like seeing you can't see my kids anymore. Like I'm protecting my kids from you. Like I'm some sort of a like a monster now, you know, and it's like that's mm -hmm. so ridiculous because like all the arguments they have about Trump too have all been debunked. You know, the the racist, the fine people, the the mexican rapists like all these different like things that they bitch about trump about you know it's like they love his vaccine though all of it okay that's true and that's one of the things i don't like about trump you know there there are things about trump i don't like you know sure he had his chance to pardon assange i'm really pissed that he didn't do it i really snowden too for me man yeah all right you know i i don't know too much about the snowden thing um i do i know a lot more about assange but um you know, that's, you know, he pardoned Roger Stone instead of Assange. And it's like, not that I had any issues with that, but really, though, like you Assange he, uh, as as the top of the list right now for me, as far as like who should be uh, released. But then, you know, the, the jab, it's like, you know, he's still touting it like he's so proud of it. And I'm like, bro, like, I don't think you understand. Well, I can't say what I want to say because we're on YouTube. So sure. Well, I understand. And and I think that, you know, there was a way for him to 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 wiggle his way out of the out of the vaccine thing. Uh and I've been disappointed that he failed to do that because you know, he was always a um a right to try person. True. That was always yeah. his stance just in, just in drugs in general, right? Cancer yeah. or whatever. And I even I think he even mentioned it pretty explicitly in one of his state of the union addresses about some right to try initiatives that he'd been pushed through. And so I think he could have easily said, listen, Operation Warp Speed was about creating an experimental and um, uh, quick, careful response to the, um, yeah, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the pandemic. And it was never intended to be mandated. It was supposed to just be an option for people who were willing to, you know, try anything to, right. you know, alleviate their anxiety or mitigate their what they their perceived risk of this 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 pandemic right so i'm trying to be very politically correct in the way that i, right. I express no, myself I here think, but i think the, you the, got it well <laughs> but the fact that he the fact that he didn't 
do that in in, in double down seems um, a little bit out of touch uh, with yeah. the base. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's as far as you can get with the base with his base. So yeah, you know, it's like all right, dude. It, I, you know, I I like to think that he's a smart guy, but for some reason, I mean, just the, in terms of who he trusts or trusted, yeah. I guess. It's like, did you not learn anything yet, man? Like, come on. Like, clearly... Well, you can be smart and foolish. You know? True. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have a hard time. People criticize him as being stupid. And, you know, every year, everyone's heard the anecdote that whatever 99% of people who win the lottery lose it all within a year, right? Right. You can't mm-hmm. keep it if you can't keep it if you're not worthy of it kind of thing. If you haven't developed the skills and discipline around handling money, business, whatever. And, That's you know, I, he, I just, even, even though he came up privileged financially, small loan of a million dollars, like you can't keep it if you're not worthy of it. Like if my dad would have given me a million bucks, I would not have become a, you know, a multi-billionaire with that. You know, I, I would like to think that I would have made some money off of it and done well, but right. there's a certain level of intelligence and acumen that's there that is, is really undeniable. Now you can say that he's foolish and he surrounds himself with people that he's a little bit too naive in terms of how he trusts and, and some of their, their special interests or, or uh, incentives may be questionable Then he may overlook that. But well, I attribute that to foolishness rather than stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was definitely surrounded by some shady people. Um, I forget the guy's first name, Cohen. He was a, a, lo- a shady lawyer yeah. in, in New York. You know what I'm talking about? I, I forgot his first name. Yeah, the guy that died of um, HIV or AIDS. Yeah, maybe. The, I, I don't yeah, know the circumstances yeah. of his death, but you know, when he was, you know, in the late '70s, when he was working yeah. on Trump Tower, Michael you Cohen. Know, Michael Cohen. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people were trying to say, you know, because like he was, you know, ran in circles with the mafia, and it's like, I don't know exactly the circumstances of their relationship but you know he was his lawyer and it's like okay um but do you ever see the movie uh, war dogs no it's um, is that about it or it's a true story about the um those like early 20 year old kids that um got like a major arms deal um during the iraq war and sold like a hundred thousand rounds of ammunition to the uh, military that were actually russian and they re- or chinese made and they repackaged them to they got caught. It's a oh, crazy wow. movie. It's a crazy movie. But anyway, there's a scene at the end where Bradley Cooper's character, the main character asks Bradley Cooper's character, hey, like what happened to our chauffeur that disappeared? And Bradley Cooper's character is like, I'm not a bad man. But sometimes I have to ask myself, what would a bad man do? And it's like one of my favorite lines in a, in a movie because he's this character that's sort of the bad guy, but also kind of just not a bad guy. Okay. And, you know, th- I kind of think of that when I think of Trump. Like if you're trying to negotiate um, tax breaks for a building in New York City in the 1970s, like mm-hmm. you're going to have to work with the mob and you don't have to be the mob. You don't have to be a bad person, but you might have to think, what would a bad man do? <laughs> and, and like the elites of New York hated him. You know, they didn't want him to be anywhere near Manhattan. They were like, stay out in Brooklyn where you belong. Like this is this is old money area. You're new money. Like get out of here. And he was like, screw you. Like I'm going to I'm going to do what I have to do to like get my name on a building. And he did it. And it's like, all right, props, dude. Cause like he, he, he's constantly been in, in, in the environment of he doesn't belong. Uh, mm-hmm. That includes the, you know, real estate industry. And the uh, fact and, that he doesn't drink. 
Well, that's because of his brother, you know. I, yeah, I understand, but that crowd that he's with is like definitely partying. Oh, definitely. You know, like you know, you heard about uh, Cawthorn's orgy story about how the the DC people were doing some sort of crazed out orgies, and he was like, uh, "I don't. Well, this is weird, man. Like, I'm I'm good." And then of I heard course, Nancy was going to be there. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> I did see her husband there, though. He, he brought a hammer. <laughs> So, so what do you think is going to, how do you think this whole Twitter thing is going to play out, man? I think, I think it's amazing. I think the, the leftists on Twitter are finding out what, what happens when it's an even playing field, you know, Mm. that they're not, they don't have bot support anymore. They don't have insider support anymore. I, I heard a story about how there were some paying 15 grand for blue check marks just to be. Uh, verified and you know i've tried to be verified before i've had Me too. Uh, i've been in articles washington post wrote, a, wrote an article about my show calling me an extremist my show like an extremist haven where people can like get together and like i don't know vent about you know things that have happened in 2020 we'll just mm-hmm. put it that way um and you know i have almost 150,000 followers on twitter and you know, it's like, all right, well, what does it take to be verified? You know, I'm a I'm a public speaker. Um, you know, I have 180 something subscriber, 180K subscriber base on YouTube. And, you know, I was I've been denied uh, many, many times over. And but people who are, you know, a thousand followers somehow get uh, verified. So I'm going to yeah. pay the eight dollars a month. I'm going to be verified on Twitter. Um because these check marks can go screw themselves, you know. Do you, do you? I'm talking about this tonight on my show. Uh, you see what happened with Kathy Griffin? Yeah, I saw. I saw, and and I relished, but at the same token, I have no, reservations. No. no, no, no. She broke the terms of service. Here's she case. absolutely did. She she, she broke did. the terms of service undoubtedly. So I I have no reservations at all, you know. And and I see some people like my buddy Bryson Gray is like these these conservatives are acting like leftists on this these this banning and it's like except the fact that he's holding the terms of service to everyone's uh, standards like everyone has to hold up to it or they get banned and it's like before it was only one side was getting banned for stuff where the other side could easily get away with everything now uh, the other side is getting hit with it and it's like good good I'm a hundred percent on board with it like fine they were breaking the terms of service uh multiple terms of service because blue check marks if you're a parody account you're not eligible to even get a blue check mark right check blue check marks aren't allowed to be parody you know that that's stated in the terms of service so like the fact that these people were changing to because it wasn't it was ethan klein it was kathy kathy gifford uh griffin whatever the hell her name is uh, and then a couple other people I saw, but those were kind of like the two big, big accounts that got. I wish he would have waited a day for more people to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, or no, I, I don't agree with that. It's happening. You, you know, hey, you guys. Yeah, I, I don't really feel that way. There's just a part right, of me, okay. the, the Machiavellian I, I see, in me. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like I, I am all for the rules being held evenly across the board, and that's what's happening. And it's like I, I, there's zero part of me that wants her to be back on the platform like i don't feel bad she was doing it on purpose she knew what she was doing ethan klein was doing it even worse like he was saying some really disgusting stuff uh i don't know if you saw it. i you saw it. They were, they, it was funny but it was terrible like the it, it, stuff was like <laughs> yeah it was like 
<laughs> bro you're not trying to be funny you're trying to like poke the owner of twitter and these yeah the he's same, really annoying but it was funny the same people that were screaming it's a private company they could do what they want for years and right now that elon musk is like uh, uh the only owner he is the sole owner it's not just a private company it, it, that you know that has multiple different people it's like it's his company completely and you're 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 the people who are screaming it's a private company you're antagonizing and it like it you know being an imposter of the the owner of the company breaking the terms of service what the hell do you expect is going to happen of course I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially when the, the PR situation for Musk right now is incredibly sensitive and important. Right. So it's it's a high risk thing for him to just allow high profiles, yep. uh, high profile profiles to, you know, give people the wrong idea about something that he said, like, oh, I saw Elon Musk tweeted this. Like there were thousands of people that could easily have have um, oh, made that mistake. He, he had thousands of people that uh, Ethan Klein, I'm talking about, had thousands mm -hmm. of people that were commenting on it and posting. And it's like. I read some of the comments and a lot of people were like, it doesn't surprise me at all. And it's like <laughs> that Ethan Klein made this said this, like what doesn't surprise you? I can't believe what he did to Jordan Peterson, like out of nowhere, just saying, Hey, I deleted this episode. Yeah, I can. I, I can't believe it. He's a freaking, he's a joke, man. Like every time I see any clip that flies around, it's nothing funny. It's nothing. Um, profound it's nothing worth listening to it's always some shit take about something and in you know? like hateful and self-righteous yeah yeah like have you seen the clip I'm of him talking about fantasizing about somebody breaking into his house no he did this clip because apparently he had like death threats or something after okay. the jordan peterson thing and, and there was this clip of him he's like every night when i go to bed i just fantasize about somebody breaking into my house going to the closet unlocking the gun safe, pulling out the gun, loading it, racking it. And, you know, basically saying that he like fantasized about taking matters into his own hands. If, uh, you know, someone were to actually try to um, actualize a death threat. And it was just like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? And he's got his like wife in the background feeding, like feeding a baby. And this, this guy is just like ranting about how he wishes he could kill somebody breaking into his house. And I was like, man, this is, there's something wrong with this guy. You got that right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I don't feel bad. He knew what do you he think, was going to get bad. What do you think about um, Musk's um, alleged sort of content review board, right? He, he mentioned something about putting together like a panel of people to talk about um, reinstating some old accounts. Why do you think he, he, he's going the panel route rather than sort of, um, you know, exercising his authority as the owner operator? Well, because there have been people who were banned purpose, like on, with reason that they sure. should have been banned, right? I mean, there there are people that dox others. There are people that have uh, actually broke the rules, actually called for violence, and it's like that's not free speech. You know, calling for violence and and doxing someone and this kind of stuff is shouldn't the, you shouldn't be let back on. You know, in that case, because right. that's that's actually causing harm. Uh, where words don't cause harm, but when you actually are. Um, doing things that can cause harm then you know you shouldn't be allowed back and i think there was some some way something he said that alluded to me that that's the reason why you know it's like he can't just let everyone back and then you know have a free for all but like certain people personally i know savannah hernandez she needs to be she needs to have her account back asap um 
Nick Ricada needs his account back. I mean, both of them have been falsely banned for ban evasion, which is like none of them did. Neither of them did. You know, their first accounts. How how do you evade a ban on your first and only account? That doesn't right. make any sense. Uh, but these people, there's no there's no rules for them. They need to get rid of someone. They just get rid of them. You know, um, of course, Trump. I, although he's got truth now and he has stated that he's not going to return to Twitter, um, which I actually am surprised because, you know, say what you will about Trump. He loves the attention. He loves attention. He is kind of a narcissist. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I would be shocked if he chose not to, if his account was released. I don't know. So, so I think he'd be making a big mistake, but he knows that if he, by if not he comes going? back on Twitter, by not coming back, yeah, big mistake. But uh, he knows that truth if he if dead. he comes back dead, yeah, exactly. He knows truth, truth will die. die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no re- people fault that came to truth to listen to him to hear from him. So if he goes on to Twitter and it's like Twitter being a platform, I've said some very spicy things in the past week on Twitter. I've been pushing. But I, I can't say some of the things. <laughs> I, I my recent strike on YouTube is for hate speech. I've never gotten a hate speech uh, strike before, and it's because I said something that I tweeted out. Um, and hmm. well, it, everybody uh, knows that you hate people based on their immutable characteristics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I posted truth. That's it. I posted some truths that um, real and reality that a lot of people aren't facing. Um, and it pissed a lot of people off, but I didn't get banned and I would have gotten banned a month ago or a year ago by saying what I've said. I know because I know people who have gotten banned for saying similar things before Elon Musk took over. So free speech, you know, the the even playing field. Oh, but to answer your question, actually, uh, um, I actually didn't get to it. Like, how do I feel about him going the board route? Um, I think it's fantastic. Because he said that he's going to get people on both sides. And I believe him when he says that. Uh, because it's very clear to me that he sees a difference between the two. And I think we need both sides. Mm-hmm. You need to have both sides of the conversation. Because if you don't, it becomes, it, it continues on to an extreme. And I don't want any extremes. You know, I want the people in the middle to live the best life that they can get, right? And when it pulls to one side or the other, there's always going to be a lot of people that just kind of get like left in the dust. Like we need to remain a, a republic instead of falling into a democracy because that's mob rule. And it's funny. It's always the minorities uh, that are screaming the loudest for democracy when they would have no say in a democracy. And it's like, you guys, right. you should learn history. That's one of my pet peeves is when people say th- when I see leftists say threat to our democracy, that threat to our democracy. It's like, first yep. of all, it's not a democracy. Second of all, democracy sucks. Exactly. <laughs> democracy <laughs> sucks. Like, why do you want that? Right. Like my, my rights are not eligible for a vote. Like they're my right. rights, no matter what. Yeah. That's exactly. why it's a constitutional Republic. But that being said, you know, one of my criticisms of our, of our Republic is obviously it wasn't, a st- and I don't know the solution to this or how it could have been done differently, but obviously the way it was set up was too vulnerable to um, 
erosion because right. we should never have gotten to this place now where we have a federal government the size that it is. We sure. have the government, you know, spying on us, recording our phone calls, text messages, emails. Um, you know, people like Alex Jones getting sued for GD for the like equivalent of the GDP for for you know just because he was wrong about something, and yeah. and and so obviously it wasn't set up to be impermeable to erosion, like I said, and. I don't know what could have been done differently, but that's my, my concern is that the nature of the universe, there's like a, a law of physics of entropy or something where there, there is no system that has like a recursive healing process that just can't be broken. Like, I, I don't know if there is such a, I don't know if there is a way for human beings to fathom a form of government that doesn't eventually um, erode. Well, I blame Abraham Lincoln a little bit um, because he to to be able to win the civil war um and and do what he wanted to do you know with the emancipation he needed to give the government power uh, mm. to take to force uh essentially his will which luckily his will was to free everybody you know and that's what which is great but that power that he gave the government never never went away it stayed and suddenly the 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 federal government was stronger than the states and we have to we we basically we just need to realize that actually state government is very powerful and can give the big middle finger to the federal government and if they if enough states started doing that that's why watching DeSantis basically give an fu to uh Biden is like hell yeah like that's we can do that you know states rights is actually important it's called united states for a reason not the you know, america or the government of america you know it's called the united states like we are 50 states united and we have to remember that we have to you know like i i have become rather libertarian over the past year um i guess two years i never really claim to be republican though i voted for trump you know i i always was like i'm an american who just wants to live my best life right and i, I want that for others as well and i think i think both sides democrat and republicans feel like they're morally superior and i don't like the the attitude of thinking you're morally superior it's just a, a gross taste for me like that's not a good look. I, I don't. I don't like that. You know, that's an instant turnoff for me. Um, and I, I know a lot of people like that. And you know, I, I don't want to be that. I just will give you my opinion on things. But the libertarian view of government is have almost no government, and I'm like, I'm all about that. But at the same time, I'm a realist, and I understand that what it, what's true in America isn't going to be true in China. It's not going to be true in India. It's not going to be true in Russia. There's there's people all over the planet. You know, we still need some sort of governing body to, you know, communicate with other governing bodies on the planet because mm -hmm. we can't just say, well, we're going to like lower government. So, hey, China, you need to lower your government too. like, you know, like we were who are we to say that? You know, it's like I don't want to be the world police. We've been the world police for a long time. I'm very much against that. Um, and that's essentially doing the same thing, you know? So I, I don't know. I, 
I, I'm not a politician. Th- I'm so grateful. I'm not a politician. I would ne- never want to be a politician. My goodness. Can you imagine? <laughs> so do you think that there would still be slavery in the South if the Confederacy had won? <sighs> I mean, there's more slaves today than, I mean, there's like over 10 million slaves on the planet right now. So there is slavery uh, on this yeah. planet. You know, in America, I mean, specifically in the United States. Yeah. Like that States. form of slavery. I mean, I, I would argue that income tax is a form of slavery because one in four days that I work, and, I work and for the property, government and property tax. Like you, right. can't, you have you. I mean, we're, we are we're paying we're paying taxes on everything you get paid. You pay taxes. You pay. You buy something. You pay taxes on it. Someone gives you money. You give money away. It's a taxes, taxes, taxes like it, it, it is. It's it's theft. You know, we're living to pay the government. It's like that's that's messed up. You know, they just they just switched it all uh, to make it seem like we're free. Uh, right. Uh, you know, we have the right to go somewhere if we wanted to and not work and not get paid and like, of course, then starve and become homeless or whatnot. But I don't know. I, I agree with that. But do I think that it would still be around? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, because I feel like. um babe. It's hard to say because there's a lot of people that are against it and realizing that it's not a good, not good. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people in America today that would say, you know, slavery, slavery's, you know, a moral and just system. Uh, And that could, that could be because the South lost the war. And so that had a cultural impact. Like there was like a shame of it or something. I don't know. Um, But, but I just, I find it hard to believe that slavery would have made it, you know, more than maybe a couple of decades had the South actually won the war. I'm just disappointed that secession is inextricably linked to slavery and racism in the minds of all Americans, because it's just, I don't know. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we, we were put in a position as a nation to rule on se- secession in conjunction with the slavery debate. Right. Cause we sort of ruined secession in the minds of, of people. Now it's like, it's just, it comes off evil to want to secede because the only time any states have seceded was, you know, to protect the, the system of slavery. Right. Well, I don't know if you, you saw, did you see that, um, Oregon, half of Oregon is, is voting to secede Oregon. Oh, they're trying to become an, a new state. No, they're trying to join Idaho. They're, <laughs> they're literally signing petitions and like, it's, it, it's like a, it's like a thing. I, I'm going to talk. I was going to talk about it later tonight. I'm, they're literally voting. Eastern Oregon is voting to join Idaho to be called Greater wow. Idaho. Yeah, That's that awesome. Yeah, yeah, I hope it happens. We need a little shake. I, I hope so too. Yeah, I hope so. Because, you know, it's, it's, we could, they're sick of, you know, Portland basically making all the decisions for all of the state and the, the people in the, like, pretty much you leave any city. I could say this probably on all of America. You leave any city and it becomes red. Like yes. it's only people in cities that live, you know, spoiled lives that don't understand what it's like to actually work hard. Um, not saying that people in cities don't work hard. Some people do, but for the most part, you're spoiled when you live in a city. Right. And, you know, it's mostly Democrats and you mostly aren't political and don't have any idea what the people out outside of cities are the ones that feel the laws change and it really screws their lives up. And they're like these freaking Democrats, man. Yeah. So where can people find you and follow you and engage with your content? 
Well, I have a show on YouTube and Rumble and Odyssey. You can also find my stuff there, but I only go live on YouTube and Rumble. And I have been streaming on YouTube and Rumble at the same time, but then I'll cut my show off on YouTube and continue the conversation if I want to talk about specific things that I am not allowed to be fully honest about, which has been very nice. I can't express how nice it is to be able to fully just speak my mind. Uh, So you could just, if you just follow me on Rumble, you could just watch my full show and not have to change anywhere. Uh, you can also check out my coffee company. I have my own coffee company. It's called Krigler Coffee. I started it in 2020, and it is the freshest roasted coffee you can get. It's roasted after you order it. It's got a roasted on date, uh, not a Best Buy date because you don't know when that was roasted. Uh, check it out, KriglerCoffee.com. And I also, uh, I feel like there's something else that, oh, and just Adam Krigler at everywhere. You can follow me on Instagram, which is very non-politics. I only, actually, it's, it's turned out to just be pictures of my backyard and my cat now. Um, although, it, you know, I post pictures of my adventures, but it's very just like little snippets of things of my life. Um, so it, it's not really connected to my Twitter profile. My Twitter, I'm very um, <laughs> spicy on Twitter. I, I get very political on Twitter. Uh, and But I am going to try to build my locals channel up. And that's adamkrigler.locals.com. In fact, I ask like what do you want me to talk about tonight uh stuff like that you don't have to pay uh but you can of course support me on on locals i really like locals and rumble they have a, a, a rumble actually bought locals i think recently ago. yeah you know re- recently and i actually had a meeting with them and they're they've got big plans for for locals and rumble it's really cool uh so yeah yeah check me out uh tonight on ba- on my show every monday night actually it's called bay staff mondays i have an awesome group of guys andreas exertus georgia giants later quarter black garrett uh darth call and flawedzilla join me every monday and we just it's called bay staff monday and we have a lot of fun we just kind of rant about stuff we're obviously going to talk about this whole twitter banning stuff um and, I, and i'm actually going to talk about this uh oregon seceding to uh idaho which is kind of just awesome uh because i i love to see it they're sick of the politics the democratic politics and uh yeah we're gonna talk a little bit tomorrow i'm joining sticks hex and hammer on his channel after my show for the live breakdown of the election because it's election day tomorrow and uh yeah let's let's vote these democrats out well it's been an honor and pleasure to have you on uh one american podcast man i hope you'll Come back and join me again, and uh, let's definitely stay in touch. I, I really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, it was very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well, Chase, and and you should join my show sometime as well. Anytime, man. I, I'd love to. All right. Thanks for having All me. All right, man. Take care.